Escape from Plan A. And that's that's one of the that's one of the things here. Uh, I think the power of the ten percent comes from. Uh, I mean, we talk about this uh, through the lens of race, right? The pitting various groups together, right, against each other for political ends. Uh, and I think that works somewhat the same way for issues of class, too. So the power of the 10% is over-leveraged, and as desperate and anxious as they are, uh, they are made very useful by the fear of dropping into the bottom 90 somewhere. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. So you I mean, have a I, lot I, of incentive to prevent that ER doctor from being able to identify with the Amazon worker. Um. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's going to be appealing to their morality because I think the top ten it does sort of like, it, you know, they I think they keep themselves going off the idea that they have um, a moral imperative to do what they do, yeah. but I think the more they realize, the more their nihilism starts to spread. The more they realize it's not, they, they can't cut it. They don't want to cut it. It's not worth it. It's like, what am I, you know, like the more they can't stay loyal and obedient um, to an incredibly demanding corporate system, I think the more the wheels start coming off um, yeah. to the whole thing. And their well-being, I think, is what's really important because the worse off they are, in a sense, uh the more change can be affected. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be good change or whatever, but I would say that I'm at a point where I just don't throw any more sense because there's an incredible amount of class solidarity among the top 10th because they're so invested in being in the top 10th that they never say anything out of line. They never, you know, they never betray uh, an awkward opinion. They never, uh, denigrate each other. They're supremely polite to each other. I mean, it's the fakest shit. Like if you go to like any of the bougie burbs, go where they shop. I mean, it's an incredibly both tense and uh, fakely polite society, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just incredible. Like they never break rank with each other. And uh, you know, I I think I they never have any. They never dissent. They never question. They just obey. And I've been waiting to see when are they going to stop stop doing that. Like when is when are you know the uh, when are the loyal lieutenants and officers going to break rank? And I, I feel like they're probably at their breaking point to some extent right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw an article in Slate, um, and this one gave me this one was very interesting to me. I, I hope I see more like this. Um, it was titled "The Coronavirus Is Showing Members of the Professional Class That the Government Doesn't Work for Them Either." Um, yeah, see, I, I like stuff like that. Yeah, and it's an article talking about, you know, from the position of someone in that 10% who might, through unusual circumstances, have been thrown onto, you know, thro- been forced to draw on unemployment insurance, shit like that. Um, and, go, like, from their perspective, how shocking it is that these systems are also stacked against them. So for all intents and purposes, um, that 10% was an illusory category to begin with. So you are you are in that 10% by the good graces of, say, the 1%. Um, 
yeah. if you if you drop out of that there is no nothing to distinguish you from the bottom 90 that we're trained we're trained to be horrified at that prospect and i think it's been it's uh, it's paid off dividends um we've seen this in the last 10 15 years all the reporting on anxious parents right the helicopter parenting phenomenon you know totally bashing these class precarious people for going into extreme amounts of debt to be able to buy houses they can barely afford so their kids can go to schools that they can't afford so the kids can then go to college that you know they can't afford um to secure their children in a particular to set them the kids on the path to themselves being precarious uh positioned precariously on the class ladder um this is how terrified we were of, of being part of the bottom 90%. Yeah. And, 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 and maybe what I'm trying to say is that the, the need to, to, to see yourself as part of something good and something big and good um, help to mask this, just the sort of idea of just naked uh, class ambition. Cause nobody like you'll never meet someone in the top 10% that's just like, yo, I'm just all about the money. You know what I mean? Like it's always something more than that. It's always something a little bit more. And it has to be because the I money think, isn't that good. <laughs> yeah. But, but you're saying it's not really about the money. It's about the fear of being in the bottom 90. Right. Yeah. So it's not really about money. And, and that's right. I think the people who always like really are about the, like the ones who really know how to take risks are not, operating out of class fear they're operating out of true financial ambition right this is different this is this is class status and belonging and i think there's always a velvet glove to that fear which was this idea and we're educated into these beliefs i mean talk to any educated asian american professional and they will spew all of the stuff that they were taught about like why it is that my investment banking uh, job is important because it efficiently allocates capital to those parts of the economy that most need it. And this is the optimum production of wealth. It's, it's the way that we produce the most amount for the most amount of people. I mean, yes, it may not be uh, totally, you know, uh, fair or whatever, but hey, you know, the a totally fair economy. What is that? That's communism. Like everyone can just say what I said if you've been like, you know, moderately educated, you know, and but it's important that we believe this stuff. I do because it's a slog. I mean, being of loyal corporate cog is a slog and you have to believe that it is ultimately for a good purpose, not just it's not ever enough, in my opinion, for it to just be about, you know, like if you don't follow orders, you're going to fall, you're, 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 you're going to fall into the bottom line. Like you can't sustain that without truly imbibing some level of belief that what you're doing is for a greater good. And I, that's my point here, I, I guess about the, 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 the fragility and precarity of the top 10% is if you know that that's all bullshit, you can't carry on. I don't think people can carry on because I don't think that the top 10% are those types of people that really just operate out of naked financial ambition. They're not cut out for that. Does that make sense? Uh, it, it, I might be projecting a lot here. It does. But and that's, this that is what I've seen. That ties into what I was talking about earlier, just being honest about what your motivations are coming out of this. The pretense is gone. So if you come out it, saying... It, yeah, exactly. And that's um, fatal. The pretense is gone. So if you want... If you want that big house, you want your you want that fancy car, you want to project that image of yourself as one of the comfortable ten percent. 
Um, you're going to have to get fucking honest about it. And it's going to take a lot of work. And I think the way to measure that is the amount of, the, the, you know, the amount of stress, anxiety, uh, depression among the top 10%, among the professional class. And I'm starting to see with Asian Americans in particular because of the racial angle that this is taken. We are probably going to be some of the first out the door to some extent. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be extremely hard for Asian Americans to really believe that we're on the path towards something good, that all of this investment and sacrifice, because that's the thing I want to make clear is like, you know, being part of the top 10% is not all, it's not nice. It sucks. It's a slog. You know what I mean? Uh, you're not like, you know, part of the elite, so to speak, that has financial independence and and financial self-determination. You're working for a paycheck. Uh, it just so happens that your paycheck is big enough for you to qualify for, you know, a big mortgage or whatever it is. And that the maintenance of that cash flow and balance sheet situation for the top 10%, you know, I think, again, like, like yeah, like you said, it, it requires that you imbibe belief, faith. And for Asian Americans to see what's going on now and to see this, you know, the way society has just sort of like American society has revealed its fangs, revealed its just utter depravity and racism. I think we're going to be some of the ones most affected by things like anxiety, depression, feelings of meaninglessness, things like that. And in a way, I feel like we're going to have to act upon that. We're going to have to change something about ourselves in order to cope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't just continue on. You can't just slog on like it's 2006. You know, like it's just, you can't. You know too much now. Yeah, uh, it's not just a loss. I don't either, but it's not easy. It's like, well, you know. If it's not easy, I think it's time to get honest about that. Mm-hmm.